Hello, it's Cordelia. Happy Monday. You're listening to the We Heal Together podcast. You guys, I'm so excited. So before we even get into today's episode, I have some amazing news. I have been working really hard and I booked some guests to come on the show. So I'm not going to tell you everyone that I've booked, but I will tell you February's guest, the first ever guest on the We Healed Together podcast is Soraya Shamali. That episode drops February 15th. Ah, I'm so excited. If y'all can see me right now, I... I'm seriously trying to not do a cartwheel across the room. (laughs) If you don't know, she is the author of my all-time favorite book. It's called Rage Becomes Her, The Power of Women's Anger. That book was recognized as the best book of 2018 by NPR, Washington Post, Fast Company, Psychology Today, Autostraddle. It's an amazing book. Beyond that, she's currently the executive director of the Representation Project. She's an activist, a feminist, an award-winning author. I mean, she's incredible, long story short. I am so excited and I can't wait for you guys to hear the episode and I can't wait for you guys to you know, learn some more about her and learn about her book and her work and just so, so excited. The second guest I'm announcing today, that episode is dropping on March 1st, 2021, and it is with the incredible Dr. Lauren Fogel-Mercy. She is, she has a bachelor's in psychology, a master's in clinical psychology, a doctor of psychology and clinical psychology. She did a two-year postdoctoral training in human sexuality, and she's also completed level three training in Gottman Method Couples Therapy. She is a licensed psychologist and a certified sex therapist. So we are going to get into a lot of stuff. We're going to be talking about sex. We're going to be talking some more about Gottman. And I have so much. I keep thinking like, okay, Cordelia, don't use the word excited. You've said excited 75 times already. But guys, I can't even explain it to you. I'm so thrilled to do these episodes and to have my first two guests on the show. If you don't follow them on social media, I'm going to go ahead and put their info in these show notes so that you can follow them if you want to before the episodes. Okay, that was the exciting news. So hopefully I can chill out now and not be so excited the rest of the episode now that I've got that out and shared it with my friends. In today's episode, I'm going to be going through, we're going to be shifting and we're going to be talking about healthy relationships. And I'm specifically going to be going through the work of John Gottman and focusing on what he calls the seven principles of making a marriage work, which he also wrote a book on and it's very good. And that will be what we're doing today. 
So let's get healing, friends. episode as I said we're focusing on healthy relationships and specifically what John Gottman has put forth from his research and his studies. If you don't know John Gottman PhD Dr. Gottman he built what they call the love lab in Seattle and he observed more than 3,000 couples Some he observed for as long as 20 years to understand and predict relationship success. He actually can predict a relationship success in 15 minutes with 94% accuracy. In his 1992 study, he did predict with 93.6% accuracy which couples would divorce. I will put a link in the show notes for his book that I'm focusing on in today's episode. It is such an amazing book. It is called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work by John Gottman. Even if you are single, divorced, or if you're in a relationship, obviously, but even if you're not married, this is still a really, really helpful book. Especially for folks out there that have never been in a healthy relationship themselves or they don't, they didn't really have a model of one. I cannot recommend this book enough. It is so good. I'm not getting paid to say that. And this is not an advertisement in any way. Truly just an amazing book. In that book, he sets the stage and he explains. Over a 40-year period, 67% of first marriages will break up, and half of divorces will occur within the first seven years. He does have some really amazing information in terms of divorce in his research, but for the purpose of today's episode, I'm really just going to focus on tips that he provides for having a healthy relationship. So again, it doesn't matter if you're married, whatever your circumstance is, I hope that you can pull something from these tips and apply it to your own situation. And if you're single right now, then, you know, keep them in mind for the next time you go out in the dating world down the road. Just so you know, I spent several hours compiling so many worksheets to go along with what we're going to talk about today. So be sure to check out the show notes because there's so many free worksheets there for you to use to incorporate this stuff into your life. Gottman's seven principles for making marriage work. Number one is enhance your love maps. By that, he says the couples have a Richly detailed love map. They know the major events in each other's history and they keep updating their information as their spouse's world changes. 
two, nurture fondness and admiration. That is reminding yourself of your spouse's positive qualities, even as you grapple with each other's flaws, and expressing out loud your fondness and admiration for them. Three, turn toward each other. Turning towards is the basis of emotional connection, romance, passion, and good sex. Four, let your partner influence you. So each spouse treats each other with respect and does not resist power sharing and decision making. Five, solve your solvable problems. Six is overcoming gridlock. And the last one is to create shared meaning. So have a shared purpose, meaning, values that exist between you and your partner. Let's get into a little bit more details on this. So first, number one, love maps. What is a love map? It is how well you know your partner. Gottman says it's the part of your brain where you store all the relevant information about your partner's life. As I mentioned, got a ton of worksheets. So for the love maps themselves, I have, it looks like four total worksheets for you guys if this is something you want to do. So, and these are worksheets that are adapted from the book themselves. He suggests and provides a 20 questions game. So it has questions like you ask your partner, name my two closest friends. Things like that are on that list. He, there's a worksheet of asking open-ended questions and it has a bunch of examples of questions that you can use to ask that. There is a worksheet on making your own love map and a worksheet called Who Am I? So those are all great if you want to work on that first area and, you know, print those out or do them on your phone, whichever. The second principle is nurturing fondness and admiration. By this, it means to have positive emotions, feelings, and memories about each other and your past. That way, if conflict does happen, You maintain the belief that your partner is worthy of honor and is worthy of respect no matter what is going on with you, you know, in the current argument or conflict that you're having. Again, I have worksheets for you in the folder called Fondness and Admiration. There is four here as well. There is a Fondness and Admiration questionnaire. And... I'm just going to read off the first two. Like, I can easily list the three things I most admire about my partner, true or false. When we are apart, I often think fondly of my partner, true or false. There is a worksheet called I Appreciate, and it just has a bunch of adjectives, and, you know, it's a good reminder of characteristics that you appreciate about your partner. The next worksheet is called A Seven-Week Course in Fondness and Admiration, and it's literally got a calendar of just things that you can do for, you know, seven weeks to work on this in your relationship. And then the other is The History and Philosophy of Your Marriage. 
Because remember, the fondness and admiration, that nurturing isn't just for the present, it's for the past. So Gottman has found that people that are able to look back fondly on the history of their relationship, that is a great foundation and a great principle in, you know, having that healthy relationship. And I really think this is a, you know, these worksheets are awesome. The book is awesome, but it's a really good skill. Like I said, even if you are single, I want, especially my listeners out there that are survivors of any kind of abuse or, you know, have struggled in some way with dating. These are really awesome to just keep in mind the next time you're dating to have a good reminder and assessment and good check-ins with yourself to see if you're even liking the person or if you want the relationship. And, you know, this can be really good in so many ways. The third principle is turning toward each other. In his study, they did a six-year follow-up of the newlyweds. The couples that stayed married turned towards one another 86% of the time. And the couples that divorced averaged only 33% of the time. As you can see, this is a really big impact and it's a really big factor that is going to play into the longevity of any relationship. So turning towards each other builds romance and connection. It's the daily, small, regular interactions. And he actually coined this phrase of the couple's emotional bank account. So he says the small moments of everyday life are the building blocks. So when you turn toward your partner, it adds to this emotional bank account which serves as a cushion when times get tough. So when someone turns toward us, it's a positive interaction. It's deposited in the bank. And when we're going through a tough time as a couple, we're able to, you know, lean back on our savings, lean back on our emotional bank account. So if you want a relationship to succeed, you need to listen for the other person's bids. That's what he calls them. And you need to respond positively whenever you can. Even if you're saying no, you can do it in a way that still establishes connection. It's still validating. So an example, if I say, hey, I really want to play Scrabble with you. And my partner turns towards me and says no, he can still do that in a way where he says, hey, I really want to play Scrabble with you too, but I got to finish some work. Are you free in an hour or two? So it's not, you know, it's kind of preserving that ego, essentially. So a bid is any attempt where you are trying to connect with your partner in a positive way. So this can be an attempt by one person to the other for attention, for affirmation, affection, humor, support, any kind of positive connection. It could be a smile. It could be a wink. It could be asking them to do a favor for you. 
hey, will you take the dog for a walk? It could be asking your partner to give you a back rub or asking for help when you're sick or my Scrabble example, asking to play Scrabble. It could be initiating sex. So any bid that you make, he suggests turning toward. So it doesn't mean you have to say yes every single time to whatever the person wants, but it means, you know, recognizing that they're trying to make a positive interaction with you and making that a positive experience. So I have six worksheets for this one. There's one on the emotional bank account. There's a good explanation I put on here. It's like a one-page PDF of bid. So it explains, it gives some examples of turning toward, turning away. One called, is your marriage primed for romance? And then there's a few other on there as well. Principle number four, that is going to be let your partner influence you. Unfortunately for my male listeners out there, the data is telling me you guys need to pay attention. Not to call you out. I mean, it's, it's just the data. So, the according to his research, Gottman's research, which looked at heterosexual couples over many years, the majority of men struggle in this area and the majority of women do not. So, he looked at, in this one particular study, 130 couples over nine years. The majority of women, even when they were in unhappy marriages, let the husband influence their decision. And they took their opinions into consideration and feelings into consideration as well. Now, men, when the conflict happened, the data shows they were only doing it 35% of the time. I'm going to quote a direct quote that Gottman wrote here. Statistically speaking, when a man is not willing to share power with his partner, there's an 81% chance that the marriage will self-destruct. Again, even if it's not a marriage, just think about if it's a long-term relationship. If you're a dude and you're not willing to share power, the research is there, and there's an 81% chance it's not going to work out. So again, this isn't to call men out. I honestly, I'm hoping if you're a guy and you're listening to this podcast, you just learned a huge secret and you now have an advantage. High five from Cordelia. And you know that you got to do better if you are not doing this currently. So here's what the tips say. When you disagree with your partner, look for common ground. Don't insist on getting your way. And what exactly does it mean to let your partner influence you? It means being willing to share power, to share influence in the relationship, to share respect decision-making, all of that. 
Like not just assume that you have all the power. I have some worksheets on here that can help you. There's three for this topic. One is called Yield to Win. One is called the Gottman Island Survival Game. And the other is Accepting Influence Questionnaire. Again, I feel bad calling you guys out like that. But honestly, like, I felt like that was such an important, I mean, that's some staggering numbers. And I feel like if there's just one guy out there that's listening to this podcast and that statistic hits home, then it's totally worth it. (laughs) The fifth principle is solve your solvable problems. I want to kind of take a step back before I go into these next two because I need to explain how Gottman breaks down marital conflicts. Let me start with a statistic that should make you take a seat. According to his research, 69% of problems in relationships are unsolvable. Gottman refers to those as perpetual problems. I'm going to go into a little bit further detail, but those are fundamental differences basically in your personality and your lifestyle. He goes through some examples in his book. So examples of perpetual problems. One partner wants a baby, the other doesn't. One partner wants to have sex more, the other person doesn't. One person rarely helps out with chores, and the other ends up doing most around the house. One person wants to raise their kids in Catholic church, the other is Jewish, and she wants to have her kids follow her faith. One person thinks the other is way too critical of their son, but they disagree on that. And so these are example, examples of perpetual problems. I think that statistic is incredible because it really shouldn't make you feel bad. It, it should make you feel pretty good. Number one, anyone who's ever told you that Conflict or fighting in relationships is bad, is wrong, because according to this data, basically everybody in long-term relationships, they have problems and they have fights. Happy couples have these problems. Gottman says the difference is they've learned to deal with their unmovable problems so that they don't become overwhelming. He says, you don't have to resolve your major, major marital conflicts for your marriage to thrive. In unstable marriages, perpetual problems are the ones that eventually kill the relationship. So let's compare that a little bit more. Because you might be sitting there thinking like, what the hell are solvable problems, perpetual problems, gridlock problems? So I'm going to break it down very simply. Solvable problems 
those are just situational in nature. There's no deeper meaning. There, it's not tied to any like ongoing conflict that's been going on between you and your partner. It doesn't spill over into other areas. You're literally just arguing about this specific present situation that's in front of you. And it's not something that comes up again repeatedly. Perpetual problems. So that is, you know, in the name, perpetual. That means it's never ending. So these are the ones that are fundamental differences in personalities, beliefs, values, or core needs. The conflict here, it's based on the same issues that are brought up over and over again. And the issues just never seem to be resolved. Here's the thing. These aren't inherently bad. All happy marriages, all happy relationships have these. What Gottman has showed us is that the key is dialogue and how the couple handles them. If perpetual problems aren't handled well, they escalate to what is called a gridlocked problem. So gridlock problems I mean, they are perpetual problems, but they are, they're basically when you've not handled the perpetual problems well. So the couple, once it becomes gridlocked, the couple can't address the issue with humor, empathy, affection. It's become a polarizing issue, and it gets more and more polarizing as time goes on. Compromise just seems impossible, and it leads to resentment, defensiveness, contempt, etc. So the fifth principle, then, is to solve your solvable problems. Again, those are not the recurring issues. Those are just the things that come up that are situational. He offers five tips here. One, soften your startup. So a startup is how you start the conversation. He's essentially just saying, hey, just start the conversation in a soft way that puts it on a good note and creates a space where your partner is open to receiving it. Number two, make and receive repair attempts. A repair attempt is any statement or action, it could be silly or serious, that prevents things from escalating. So prevents that negativity from snowballing. Number three, soothe yourself and each other. So taking like a 20-minute break if necessary. Number four, compromise. So you've got to compromise and it's all about, again, accepting influence from your partner. And five, address emotional injuries. He really emphasizes not sweeping things under the rug. If you have a solvable problem that comes up I mean you can still hurt each other's feelings in the process and some emotional injuries can occur and he really emphasizes you know not acting like hey that just didn't happen really spending time to talk about it I actually have 
12 different worksheets for this one for you guys to use. And I mean, it'll kind of pull over into the next one as well. But absolutely take advantage of those. The sixth principle is overcoming gridlock. So this is when you get in that situation with your partner where, again, it's a perpetual problem that has been handled the wrong way. Gottman says gridlock is a sign that you have dreams for your life that the other person isn't aware of, hasn't acknowledged, or doesn't respect. He recommends spending time on your own being a dream detective. So don't bury your dreams because they're just going to resurface. Then coming back together to work on the gridlock issue. The goal is to move from gridlock to a dialogue. Three, soothe each other, take a break. Four, end the gridlock, form a compromise. And last, Say thank you. Now, for all you single folks out there, I want to read to you a really good quote from this book. It's on page 139, and he says, Psychologist Dan Weil said it best in his book, After the Honeymoon. When choosing a long-term partner, you will inevitably be choosing a particular set of unsolvable problems that you'll be grappling with for the next 10, 20, or 50 years. Marriages are successful to the degree that the problems you choose are ones you cope with. So I'm bringing that up now because I actually think that's really awesome. If you're learning about this on the front end, It's really good to go into relationships knowing and thinking, okay, what can I kind of tolerate? Like, I know that I'm never going to change this stuff about the person and we're going to have fights about this stuff and it's going to be kind of annoying, but is this something that is just going to be too much for me? And Based on scientific research, think that knowing that, you should likely exit the relationship from the beginning. Because it's, I mean, the research is there, it's been done. You are going to have perpetual problems, you're going to have issues with somebody. It's really all about finding somebody that you can tolerate, finding somebody whose issues don't really bother you that much in the grand scheme of things. The seventh principle is to create shared meaning. So this is really rituals, roles, goals, values. It's the purpose of living and loving together. So what is the value of the relationship? How do we celebrate it? What are our stories, our legacies, events? What is the shared meaning between us? He sets out four pillars of shared meaning. One is rituals of connections. So developing your own rituals as a couple. 
Two is supporting each other's roles. So get a clear understanding of what you believe your role should be in the relationship. Three, shared goals. Goals that you're striving to achieve together. Five, I'm sorry, four, (laughs) shared symbols. So philosophical tenets that guide you and they're the guides of how you want to conduct and lead your lives together. I put some worksheets on this one as well. And it is going to be under the Create Shared Meaning folder. And there is a shared meaning questionnaire on this one. And it goes through each of those four pillars. So it goes through rituals and goals and things like that. So that can be really helpful for you and it's a good tool to use. Yay! So I hope this episode was helpful for you. I really wanted to create this episode, like I said, for people in committed relationships and for my single peeps or my divorced peeps or whoever is out there listening. I think you can benefit a lot from this episode, from this research. I'm going to put a link in the show notes for the book that I recommend that he wrote on this topic please check out those worksheets as well. I'm also going to put in the show notes my Instagram. So if you like my content, my Instagram name is at Codependent Recovery. You know, check me out. I post a lot of of similar topics to things that we discuss on here. I'm also going to put the guests that I mentioned, the two guests that I announced at the beginning. So excited. So definitely follow them, check them out, learn about them before they come on the episode and it'll be that much more fun for you. I am also going to link the workbook I wrote in the show notes for anyone that's interested as well as the community club. So the Zoom book club and community club that I launched in October, we meet once a month on both of those if you're interested in joining book club is $3 a month and the community hangs are $3 a month. So it's $3 a month if you do one, $6 a month if you do both, $0 a month if you do neither. Awesome. Well, you guys are amazing and I'm so thankful that you listened to the podcast. So excited for what's coming up next. I cannot believe We got some guests on the show and some badass guests. Like those are some amazing women coming on here. And y'all, I'm going to just have to get it. I'm going to have to get it together. I can't fangirl. (laughs) Got to keep it fresh over here. So don't worry. I'll rein it in. I'll rein it in. Okay. My dog is looking at me right now. Like he, I'm telling you, I've been so excited about all this. I think. Every time that I talk, he thinks we're like going outside or going on a walk or, (laughs) you know, some of that stuff. So I hope you guys have an amazing week and I will see you next Monday.